Well, that was fun to see the pictures of Savannah. I remember watching her grow through that age. That's one of the blessings of being a pastor for a long time. God's blessed us to have the opportunity to be here over 22 years. And and, uh, I remember when Tim was just this new guy that Clorinda started dating. And then now he's uh, a leader in our ministry. They both are. And even uh, their kids are serving in our church. And what a blessing it is to see families grow together in the Lord. That's really cool. So uh, we're looking this morning from 1 Corinthians chapters 2 and 3, 9 and 12 and 16. I'm just kidding, just 2 and 3. Okay, uh, We're going to look at a couple of chapters. We're going to look at a few things. And the concept is the God who reveals. So as you look at this picture, you see the guys like pulling the screen back to reveal what's hidden behind the screen. And God has chosen to reveal himself. If there weren't scripture, if there weren't prophecies, if there wasn't revelation from God, then the only thing we would know is this is a massive complicated universe and wow, isn't it amazing? But because God chose to reveal himself, we can understand the truth of our universe because God has revealed it to us. Isn't it kind of weird, the ideas that people come up with? I remember years ago, we lived in Nebraska and when I was a kid and we lived in Nebraska for a few years, dad was in the Air Force, we moved around a lot. And while we were living in Nebraska, Dad was running the Strategic Air Command's top secret printing plant. And so he had uh, that job during the Cold War. And, and there was this guy who came, found this tooth in his field. So he says, he said he dug up this tooth and he presented it to the scientists and the evolutionary scientists. And they had this whole thing. This was Nebraska man. And from this tooth, they had this jaw. It looked like the missing link, you know. They had the jaw. They had the body, the hair, everything, all because of this one tooth. And it went on and on and on for months and months and months. And this was one of the big scientific breakthroughs in the theory of evolution. And then the farmer confessed it was a pig's tooth that he had treated with acid and buried in his field for a while and then pretended to dig it up. Even after he confessed it was a hoax, some of the scientists rejected the truth of his hoax. They said, no, it had to be true because we built all this scientific evidence around it. Well, this is a God who chooses to reveal himself. Now, in the scripture, we're going to see a couple of concepts Uh, One is about believers or spiritual people, and the other is the natural man. So I have a picture of the natural man for you to help you understand, all right? (laughs) That's the natural man, right, ladies? Right, right? (laughs) Now, the only thing that picture is missing is there's not a screen with a football game on it or something. Um, So the natural man. Now let's look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. 
But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, when Paul was writing this, this is the first century. It's right after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Saul's saying, Paul's saying, if they had known Jesus was the Lord of glory, they would not have crucified him. But they didn't realize that because they weren't looking for the wisdom from God. They were looking for the wisdom of men. And so they conspired against Jesus because he wasn't beneficial to their political schemes. Do politicians still do stuff like that today? Oh, yeah. Look at verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This quoting from the Old Testament scriptures. And then, but God hath revealed them to us through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit revealing God's truth to us, in part through the book, in part speaking into our hearts. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Did you ever see those far side comics? And, and they showed, you know, sometimes they'd show what animals were thinking and they're looking at people and they're just thinking. And one of my favorites was these two dogs are looking at the person and the person sounds like, you know, Charlie Brown's mother. Wah, 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 wah. And the dogs are trying to figure out what on earth the person's trying to say. Uh, see, without the spirit of man, we can't understand man. There are people who, because of a birth defect or because of a circumstance in their life, their brain no longer functions appropriately. It can't make value judgments. It can't understand what's the right thing to do. And it said we need the spirit. We need to be human in order to behave like a human. Oh, we love the cartoons and the comics that make pets behave like humans. But the truth is you have to be human to understand humanity. And that doesn't even completely help, does it? Uh, how, I don't understand a lot of what humanity has done. But So he says, What man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Verse 11 continues, Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Apart from God's desire to reveal himself, we would not understand. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Verse 13, these things we also speak. That's what we're doing here. We're speaking the things of God. We speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man, the natural man is the man or woman who has not yet received Jesus Christ as their Savior. So they're natural. They're in their fleshly state. They're in their birth state. They still haven't been born again. They've just been born once. Kathy was reading something this week reminding us that born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. 
The person who's born once as a natural person and doesn't receive Christ, their physical body dies, and then they face the second death the Bible calls the lake of fire. But the person who is born naturally and then born again by trusting and receiving Christ, they face only one death, the natural death. The body dies, but the soul and spirit go to be with the Lord, like my dad did just a few months ago. All right, now back in verse 12. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. On your own, you do not have the capacity to understand God. God has to reveal himself to you. He has to show you and guide you, and the Spirit has to draw you on your own. You're not going to get it. And so there's times when you're talking with a non-believer, and they're like, that doesn't make sense. Well, they don't have the spiritual capacity yet to believe and understand. So back in verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal or natural, as to babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are still not able. They're not able to grasp and understand mature truths. And then he says in verse 3, because you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behave like mere men? For when one says, I am a Paul, and another, I am Apollo of Apollos, are you not carnal? We talked about that. He's, he's saying you're, you're divisive and you're separating. And instead of all of us coming together to follow Christ, you're dividing into factions and sectarianism and, and dividing up. And he said, that's proof of your lack of understanding. Now jump down to verse 18 in chapter 3. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are foolish, futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. So he's comparing this natural man. The natural man is ignorant of God's truths. If you look back in chapter 2, chapter 2 and verse 11, for what man knows the things of man? Well, the things of God cannot be known apart from the Spirit of God. And verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man is ignorant of God's truth. The Bible describes the non-believer or the natural man as spiritually 
dead. How else is the natural man described in Scripture? Spiritually dead, natural, carnal. Okay, let me share a couple more with you. He's called blind on the path of destruction and damnation without hope. Facing the eternal wrath of God. That's the natural man. Now, in our culture, there are people who think they're too smart for God. You know, they have achieved. I, I read a lot of biographies, autobiographies, and some of them are people they were raised in church. You know, musicians who started singing in church. That's how they got their start. And now they're famous musicians, and, and then they turn away from God, and they follow some, their, their own faith and their own plan, and, and, and they just don't connect with the things of God anymore because they follow that natural person. These are scientists who maybe were raised in Sunday school, but now they've rejected it. And by the way, there are a large number of scientists who believe the truth of God's Word. You just don't hear from them. The news media don't like to present them. But they're out there, and, and answers in Genesis can connect you with gobs, hundreds, thousands of scientists who believe God's Word. So uh, the natural person is uh, rejecting all this, and he's facing death and destruction. And, and so Carl Sagan was, was presented as a brilliant man on earth, as a genius and an evolutionary star, and, and he passed away. And after he died, he was cremated, and then he's had his, some of his ashes put in a vial and sent out with the space shuttle, and then released into space so that he could be at one with the universe. Now, that actually made sense according to his belief system. The sad thing is his belief system was wrong. And the only way you can be at one with the universe is to be at one with the creator of the universe and you believe and trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, and then you get to go live with God in heaven. That's way better than just have some ashes pumped out into space. So the Bible contrasts the natural man with the believer or the spiritual person. Now, Joel, I put this picture up just for you. You see the Bible she's holding? I don't know if you can read it. Santa Biblia is the Spanish Bible. That's, that's just for Joel. So uh, the believer or the spiritual person is the one who has received Jesus Christ as his or her Savior. They have trusted and believed Jesus Christ. We have young kids in this room that have done that. We have old gray-haired people in this room that have done that. The truth is, if you don't do that, then you're the natural man facing the wrath and condemnation of God, and your life ends not in joy of uniting with the universe, but in the horrors of hell and then the lake of fire. But if you receive Christ as your Savior and you die at any age, even if you die young, if you've received Christ, you go to be with the Lord and it's all glory. It's great. The, the greatest day of my dad's life was March 28th, uh, 2020, when he woke up in heaven with the Lord. That was the greatest moment of his entire life. Sad for us, great for him. So the believer is the one who has received Christ. They're not perfect. When the Bible calls people spiritual people, it doesn't mean they're perfect. You read all that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, they had some serious problems. 
but they had received Christ. And as we grow and follow Christ, we become more spiritual. Look back at chapter 2 and verse 6. Chapter 2 and verse 6. The wisd- we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But then verse 10, God revealed them to us through the Spirit. So the spiritual one is the one who has the Holy Spirit who is understanding and learning and growing in their understanding of God's Word. But the believer who is not growing will end up finding more fault with other people and they'll become less mature. I love that picture. (laughs) I've seen that look on lots of different people, young and old. Grumpy, fussy, complaining. See, at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul said, listen, the grumpy, fussy ones, they're being divisive. They're saying, I'm a Paul, I'm Apollos, I'm a Cephas. They're finding fault and they're separating and, and they're causing issues. In fact, take your Bible and turn over to 1 Peter, please. 2 Peter would be even better. <laughs> turn over to 2 Peter and chapter 1. We'll look there in just a minute. The believer who is not growing is going to find fault with others and become less mature. As a pastor, I've been involved in pastoral ministry for about 30 years. And in the process of serving in churches and and ministering uh, different age groups, I've been involved in in ministry um, for more than 40 years now. Uh, But as a pastor for 30 And as we serve, you know, sometimes there's fussy people in the church. In fact, one time Fred St. John and I were visiting with somebody who was interested in becoming a member of our church, but he was a fussy person. And Fred was a deacon here, and so we went and we visited this guy, and he wanted to talk about joining, and I said, well, uh, before we join, we need to address something. Before we consider you for membership, we need to address something. You are known as a complaining, fussy person. He said, yeah. And I said, you need to repent of that, get right with God, and then we can consider you joining the church. He's like, what? And I said, that's not how believers are supposed to act. And as we grow and mature in Christ, we're supposed to become more kind, more gracious, more Christ-like. So we boldly stand for truth, But you don't see Jesus walking around taking pot shots at people. He spoke truth. He even confronted boldly when confrontation was necessary. But he, most people, he just encouraged and strengthened and helped. So Peter gives us some wisdom from from the Holy Spirit in 1 Peter, 2 Peter, chapter 1. First chapter of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. Well, look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us 
all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So all of us have received this. Verse 4, which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he's saying all of you who have received Christ as your Savior, this includes your young kids, this includes you old kids. All of us who have received Christ as Savior, we have been given these gifts and the capacity to walk with God. But then he gives a, a challenge. Uh, verse 5, for this very reason, also for this very reason, giving all diligence. This speaks of putting your heart into it, really engaging in this. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge uh, self-control or temperance, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. So he's saying, it's great that you're saved. And if you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are my brother or my sister in Christ and we'll be in eternity together. We'll, we'll rejoice in Christ forever. But God wants more out of you. God doesn't say, hey, I just want you to get to heaven. That's good enough. God wants you to add to your faith these things. In fact, it's in your own best interest if you do. Because look what happens, uh, what he describes in verse 8. If these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're really pursuing and adding these things, then you're going to grow. You'll be able to face difficult circumstances with joy. You'll be able to walk with God and walk with other people, and it'll be a blessing in your life. And then in verse 9, he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten he was cleansed from his old sins. Let's jump back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So he's saying the believer who is not growing, they're going to be the fussy ones. They're going to be the divisive ones. The first part of chapter 3 where separating Paul and Apollos and Cephas or Peter and, and dividing the church. And, and then if you're not growing, then you're going to become less mature. If you're not adding to your faith, moving toward Christ. See, the Bible says there is no equilibrium. There is no time when you get at the perfect balance of just spiritual enough. You're either moving toward God or you're moving away. Kind of like the pendulum. You're either moving in the right direction or you're moving in the other direction. And you need to keep moving toward Christ. And if you don't, then you're going to become a fussy person then you're going to become a person who doesn't have joy and you will lose your spiritual discernment. You'll start making decisions based on your carnal, fleshly intellect instead of on the Spirit of God in your life. So the believer who is not growing is not going to stagnate. They're going to lose ground. It's, it's like the musician. I, I asked, uh, Steve wasn't down here for uh, the Piano recital, was that just last Sunday? It was on a Thursday night. The 6th? Okay. Thursday night, the 6th, there was a, the piano recital. Steve wasn't down here for it, but he said he got to watch it online. Uh, Savannah played 
phenomenally well. You know, by the, when, piano, when Savannah started taking piano lessons, I'd had years of piano lessons more than she had. But she passed me up about her second month. <laughs> and she played. Well, what if she had stopped practicing that? What if she had stopped rehearsing and preparing? How would it have sounded? Have you ever been to a concert where, where somebody hasn't been practicing? I have. It's awful. Even worse if they play the oboe. Woo! Uh, but, but listen, the, the athlete, they have to keep working out and working out. And I actually heard a classical pianist say, if I miss one day of practice, I can tell the difference. If I miss two days, my critics can tell the difference. If I miss three days, the public can tell the difference. So you have to work and you have to grow. And it, it's not like, all right, guys, listen, I got bad news. You got to work like crazy for the rest of your life and you might make it. That, that's not the biblical way. The biblical way is God will love you and care for you and he shows grace for you. But there's a joy in maturing in Christ. And here's the deal, what Peter was saying and what Paul's saying is if you're growing in Christ, if you're in the process of maturing, then you're going to be in the process of making better decisions that are a glory to God and a grace in your own life and a ministry to others. You're going to make decisions that are a blessing all the way around. And if you're not intentionally growing in the Lord, you're going to be like a little baby sitting on a blanket pouting because you're not getting your way. You're not going to grow. You're not going to mature. You're going to miss on a lot of blessings that God has for you. You're going to make decisions based on your head instead of based on your following the Holy Spirit of God. Now, those who believe in the theory of evolution, and there's a lot of people, in fact, they no longer teach it as a theory, they teach it as fact. But those who believe in the theory of evolution also believe that in the process of development, that man lapsed into believing in God. That they started out as high order primates. Maybe you've heard that. In fact, there's a Disney song about the human animal. They're, the humans are not animals. We are completely separate from animals. God created all the animals, sea creatures and, and all the animals, and then separately created man, and only man was created in God's image. Man is not a high-order primate. But see, those who believe in the theory of evolution believe that we came from goo. You know, Frank Peretti used to call the theory of evolution from goo to you by way of the zoo. <laughs> I kind of like that, but uh, that was a good description that he gave. So, uh, you know, from that process of coming from goo to life to humanity to, well, then some people lapsed and started believing in God. The truth is, here's the truth, that, um, well, I, wait, before I jump into that, let's show that next slide, just a minute. Uh, you do realize that there have been some evolution, right? Okay. It, here's the key difference. There's microevolution is change within species. People are a little taller than they used to be. Horses are a lot bigger than they used to be. Uh, birds are smaller than they used to be. And, and that's change within species. That's 
microevolution. That's, that's the process of change and development. And, and in truth, we're all evolving. We're all changing. We're all in the process of becoming who we're going to be uh, in the future. But, but that's not the theory of evolution. The theory of evolution says there was macroevolution, change from one species to another. So that a monkey became human. And I know you guys have seen people who look like the missing link. But there is no missing link. There's still a missing. There is no way to go from ape to human. In fact, the similarities between apes and chimps and, and the similarities of life, the DNA building blocks of life, all speak of the common origin. Even diehard evolutionists believe in a common origin of life. They just got the origin wrong. The true origin of life is in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. God created all life. And so... When people say, uh, I'm evolving, don't, don't freak out if they, I don't use that term just because it does freak people out. But we are in the process of changing. But there is no scientific or biological evidence that confirms the change from one species to another. In fact, they've had so much trouble finding it, they've had to add billions of years to the theory of evolution. It used to be just millions of years, and now it's billions of years, and now it's multiple billions of years. You know, got to take a long time for that to develop. Well, the truth is, it happened, creation happened instantly. So now let's bring up that next slide. Those who believe in the wisdom of God understand that from the very beginning of all things, from the very beginning of all things, man had a clear and accurate understanding of God from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. On day six, God creates people. And every day God said, this is good. And then once he created people, he said, this is very good. And on that day, Adam and Eve had a relationship with God. In fact, Adam and Eve knew God and talked with God even more personally than we do today. This morning, I was out in a field, not quite to your guys' neighborhood, out in the area between our neighborhoods, and I was out there. I started going west and then south and then east and then north and then back west to my house. And, and as I was walking out in the field, I just stopped and I was praying to God, and, and God was listening. Because he always hears our prayers. But I couldn't see God. Like Adam and Eve had a special closeness with God at the very beginning. So Satan is, and his demons have corrupted the human understanding of God. But the truth is revealed by God's own holy word. Now, the first sin was not eating the forbidden fruit. The first sin was not trusting and believing what God had revealed. That was the first sin. God revealed them and he told them and they like questioned it. And then Satan uh, led them astray, led Eve astray and Adam went with her. And so by not believing and trusting what God said, it led them to do the sin. And, and by the way, not believing and trusting God's word today still leads us into sin. When I was a kid, my pastor used to hold up this Bible, 
not this very one, his own. And he would say, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. When you intentionally choose to follow God, it will help you avoid the sins of this world. Now, I want you to look down in uh, Second Corinthians, First Corinthians, sorry, chapter two, and verse ten. God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Jump down to verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy, what the Holy Spirit teaches. Verse 15, so we can judge things appropriately. Uh, what Peter said that I read earlier, God's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You see, God has revealed enough that we might have confidence in his word and in his plan. If you are using the note sheet that Megan put there in the bulletin, you could fill in that blank if you're, if you're doing that. God reveals enough that we might have confidence in his word and in his plan. We can have confidence. We don't have to just wonder. I remember talking to a mortician once, and he told me, I like it when you do the funerals. This was when I was pastoring down in Sawarita. He said, I like it when you do funerals because you always leave with such a, a sense of confidence. And I said, well, God has revealed himself in the scripture. We can have confidence. And he said, yeah, and I sure hope you're right. <laughs> No, when you believe and you receive and you trust and the Holy Spirit's inside you, you have confidence in God. A.W. Tozer, now, uh, before you bring up that slide, the first paragraph of this slide, I had planned to use this in my message, and then actually early this morning, I was catching up on a podcast that I had missed from earlier this month. It was recorded on August 1st, or at least disseminated on August 1st, and, and it was by Chip Ingram. And I was listening to his podcast while I was walking this morning, and he said something almost exactly the same as what A.W. Tozer here says. Now, were he and A.W. Tozer quoting some other person, or was Chip quoting Tozer? I don't know, uh, but, it, but it's a good concept. All right, now let's bring that up. Tozer says, all God's acts are done in perfect wisdom. First, for his own glory, and then for the highest good of the greatest number for the longest time. All his acts are as pure as they are wise, and as good as they are wise and pure. Not only could his acts not be better done, a better way to do them could not be imagined. So we can have confidence in God and his word. Now, let me counsel you. When you're getting counsel from other people, let me, let me share with you some things. You need to listen to wise counsel from believers who know and follow Jesus Christ. But be wary of who you learn from. There's a lot of stuff out there on the Internet and with counselors. And In fact, I had a friend here in town who wanted to go see a counselor, and I had used a service before, uh, for people, and so I recommended this counselor, this person to go see this counselor. And they went and saw the counselor, and the counselor 
gave them advice that was contrary to Scripture. And yet they were called a Christian counselor. And so then the person came back and shared with me what they learned. And, well, I had a problem with that. So I went and I called the director of that agency who happened to live down in Tucson. And he said, what? And, and that counselor got fired because it was a Christian counseling agency. And she was giving counsel contrary to God's word. The sad thing is, my friend believed it all and followed that instead of following God's word because that person had a degree. Do you know there's a lot of people who have degrees who are just plain dumb? They are. There's some brilliant people who have brilliant degrees, but there's some just because you have a good degree... And I've known a lot of people have a, a degree, but they, they have a Ph.D., but no common sense. Uh, that happens sometimes. And this person took counsel from the wrong person. Non-believing scientists will come up with the wrong conclusion every time. Non-believing counselors will give the wrong advice every time. Human sexuality, ethical behaviors, mental health, psychology, medical issues, even how we respond to the pandemic. You need to learn from believers. Not that you reject everything else. I read a lot of books, but I take them with a grain of salt, and I trust and follow the Lord. I can learn from other things. So you can get little bits of wisdom from other people, but you need to be careful because the wisdom of this world will lead you astray. That's what God's Word says. It will lead you astray. So follow the Scripture. Learn from the Holy Spirit. Learn from other believers who are dedicated to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. God gives us enough that we can have confidence. But God withholds enough that we must live by faith. Look at chapter 2 and verse 9. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now I'll tell you, the way most people look at that verse, they think about heaven. We just can't imagine. You know, it will be mind-blowing. Like, I'm colorblind, so I know when I get to heaven, things are going to look way different. I'll be able to see color for the first time. But have you thought about this, that the human eye sees about this much of the whole color spectrum? Less than 2%? I think less than 1%, but I know less than 2%. What if in heaven we see the whole thing? The human ear, although... <laughs> Some of us have hearing aids. Our hearing is more limited than yours. But even those of you who have excellent hearing, there's so many things you can't hear. Somebody can come up right behind you and blow a dog whistle as hard and loud as they can blow, and it's not going to phase you. You can hear the sound, or, or a whale can make a sound that is so many octaves below the human ear can hear that it couldn't be understood and registered until they had scientific measurement. In fact, they tried to figure out how in Africa the male elephants knew when the female elephants wanted to be friendly with the, with the male elephants. And the male elephants could be miles and miles away, uh, sometimes more than 100 miles away. And the female elephants would somehow let them know, and the male elephants would come running. And they couldn't figure it out. And then they did a lot of research, and they found out that Beyond human hearing, 
that the female elephants make a sound, that the male elephants hear and say, hmm, and they head that way. And, and we couldn't have the capacity to understand that till scientific instruments could measure it. But see, when we get to heaven, who knows what we're going to be able to see and hear and do? Jesus appeared in the middle of a room in his glorified body. Maybe we'll be able to do that to each other. And we'll, we'll scare each other in heaven, but it'll all be fun, right? Listen, we must live by faith. We must trust God. And by the way, that verse is not talking about heaven. If you look at it in the context, it's talking about what the Holy Spirit reveals to us in our lives today. You can't pull verse 8 out of the whole chapter. Verse 8, 9, 10, 11. It's about how the Holy Spirit reveals things in our lives today. And so uh, in the last two months, I've been talking to some different people in the church, and some of them have shared something. Man, I got this in my Bible study, or I saw this, I made this connection. I was reading this spiritual book and comparing it with Scripture, and, and I came to this new understanding and, and sharing things. They're learning and growing because God reveals things to us over time. In fact, Bill Zimmerman, some of you remember Bill and Katja Zimmerman, and uh, Bill went to church for years. He was uh, in a, in a uh, cult. Uh, uh, it was a, a group of people who had a distorted perception of the Bible. But as he was learning from them, he, he learned some Bible and, and that. And then he got out of that cult and he got into a church. But that cult taught that you get saved by earning your salvation. And so Bill then got out of that cult and was in a Baptist church and went for years still thinking you earn your salvation. And then at one point he learned you get saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And he realized he could receive Christ as a Savior and then have confidence that he was going to heaven. And I'll tell you, Bill was pretty excited when he learned that. And he felt pretty dumb that it took him a while to catch on. And I hope you're watching this, Bill. You weren't dumb. That's just the natural man. And then when you receive Christ, that man, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Those of you who got saved a little bit later in life, you know the joy of finding Christ and the transformation it made in your life. And even if you got saved very young and you don't remember that, trust me, God has dramatically changed your life. God withholds enough that we must live by faith. We have no idea what the future holds. None. We have clear proof of that this spring, right? Nobody projected this pandemic uh, even 10 months ago. I mean, nine months ago, it was an issue over there in China. You know, oh, don't you feel sorry for those people? And now it's everywhere around the world. Uh, but I got some statistics that I read from 1904 and, and how the world has changed since then. In 1904, only 14% of homes in the United States had a bathtub. Those of you who have a strong sense of smell, praise the Lord, you live today. Yeah. All right. The average U.S. worker made between $200 and $400 per year. There were only 8,000 cars in the United States and only 144 miles of paved roads. The tallest structure in the world was the Eiffel Tower. 
More than 95% of all births in the United States took place at home. That was because hospitals were scary places back then. Back then, 90% of all U.S. physicians had no college education. And now, in order to be a nurse, you have to have a college degree. The average life expectancy was 47 years. How many of you are older than 47 years? Yeah. Don't you feel ancient? Isn't it amazing? Listen. Uh, Two of 10 American adults couldn't read or write. The American flag had only 45 stars. Arizona was not on the star list yet. Alabama, Mississippi, Iowa, and Tennessee were more heavily populated than California. And in 1904, the population of Las Vegas, Nevada was 30. (laughs) See, no one could have imagined what 2020 would look like in 1904. In 2019, no one could have imagined what 2020 could look like. But God could because God knows. He knows the end from the beginning. He sees the whole process of your life. And God's path is the right path in every generation, in every circumstance, and in every relationship. God's path is the right path. That's a four-generation picture. Me with my dad and my grandpa. Did my grandpa's funeral a few years ago. Did my dad's memorial service last month. What you and I need to do is to simply draw closer to God. Allow Him to work in His life. Allow His Word to become known to you. Listen to His Holy Spirit as He speaks into your life today. And so that we can be ready for all the tomorrows of life. We, We walk with Him today so we're ready for whatever tomorrow has. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you have not done that, oh, you need to do that. Thankfully, in that picture, every one of those people were believers in Jesus Christ. Two of them are now with Him. The others will be someday. You need to daily repent of sin and move closer to the Lord. You're not static. You're either getting closer or you're drifting away. And then you need to choose to trust Him no matter what. No matter what. We need to live by faith.